Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. There is neither Jew nor Greek, or you might say Gentile. Slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So everybody, doesn't matter your nationality, doesn't matter male, female, religion, education, none of this. We're all one in Christ Jesus. There's so much turmoil these days, particularly in regards to race. Different groups are fighting for their right to be not only heard, but to have their grievances listened to and dealt with. These topics have even invaded the church, with brothers and sisters going at each other. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the radical nature of the church. You'll hear how things were in the past in regards to class and race, and how Christianity came in and blew up the established order of things. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 with today's edition of Lessons for Living. Corinthians, and we're going to be in chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Tell me if you'd like to be the patient. 10 a.m., the patient is placed on the operating table. 10.03, the surgeon makes the first cut through the skin. 10.07, the surgeon cuts down to the abdominal cavity. Nine minutes after, the anesthesiologist starts giving the anesthesia. (laughs) Anybody want to try that? Where is the patient? They're gone, baby. They're out of there. Well, what is wrong with that picture? One thing. It's out of order. And what we're going to talk about is simply order. Disorder is... An interesting definition, mess, chaos, confusion. To be honest, before we came to Christ, that was kind of the way our life was. When we came to Christ, he brought order. So Paul begins to speak, and he addresses the need for order. Paul's talking about order in public worship. Well, it really doesn't apply to us much, but there's amazing principles there. And then we'll talk about order with communion. Then we'll talk about order with the gifts in the church and how that's supposed to look. Now, remember what Paul's doing. He's writing to one of the churches he spent a lot of time at 
because they actually wrote questions to him. How does this work? What's it look like? So we begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, but to do that, you have to look back just two or three verses, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 32, because this flows out of these last two verses. So notice what Paul says. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks, or the church of God. So what is Paul saying? It's a huge responsibility. We are to obey the word of God the way the word tells us to do it, because when we do it, we make God look good. Now, if you want to go off on your own tangent and do your own thing, well, it's going to bring disorder. You say, well, God told me to do this. God never tells you to do something that's in his word of God. He never goes again. I don't care why we have people talk, talk to us all the time. Oh, no, God told me to do this, and I'm supposed to trust him here. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do that. Wrong. 100% wrong. Because you're making God look bad. So see, when you bring disorder in a person's life, it causes confusion, and God doesn't look good. So you're going to see that Paul has to address something that we don't really address because it's not our culture, but the principles are huge. So we begin with that principle again. Remember, whatever we're to do, we're to do for the glory of God. We're trying to make God look good. We're not trying to stumble people. We're not trying to confuse people. We're not trying to have people look at ourselves. So let's begin 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Paul starts with something really important. He's writing to this church, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. First thing I want you to write is this. All people need to be encouraged. I need to be encouraged. You need to be encouraged. And Paul, really up to this point, he's made a lot of corrections, a lot of loving corrections. Sometimes he had to speak pretty firmly, but he's saying to them, I'm going to start this part of the letter with encouragement. I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're keeping me in your thoughts. But even more than that, Paul says this, you're applying the teachings I passed on to you. Now, I can tell you this from any pastor, from any elder, from a parent. If the teachings we present to our kids or to the church, if the people are applying them, that's a great encouragement to a pastor teacher. It's a great encouragement to a parent. It's a wonderful encouragement to God. And I understand what Paul's saying. And sometimes you just need to be encouraged. And so from the pastors and the elders, I represent them. I'm just one of them. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being the word. Thank you for applying the word and making a difference in lives. Well, right after he does that, he goes on to this amazing little correction, a clarification of some practices that were happening in the church. Now, some of you know this, and some of you don't know this. Let me give you some background. In, we're 2,000 years ago. We're in a very different culture than we are here. And so let me just give you a little background. In Jewish history, way back into the Old Testament, women had very few rights. Not just Jewish, but women in general had very few rights in the Old Testament. All over the world. By the way, there's plenty parts of the world it's the same. In fact, the design of the temple 
with the court of the Gentiles and the court of the women showed this kind of hierarchy. But then Jesus came, you remember, and what did he do? What happened to that temple that just destroyed the whole thing? He destroyed all of this. And so what Jesus did when he died, Christianity did what no culture was ever able to do. It just said, everybody is equal. That's the first time women ever heard that kind of a statement. All people can worship God freely. God loves everybody. So Christianity was responsible for opening the doors of freedom to women, to slaves, to children, because it taught all people are one. Every believer is uniquely loved by God. Now, into this historical background, 2,000 years ago, there were local customs in the city of Corinth. Many of these traditions had been passed down from generation. So Paul identifies these. We'll talk pretty briefly about those cultural things, but then we're going to zip past it to the spiritual application. So let me just kind of give you a little mindset as we begin. When you study the scripture, you have to differentiate between cultural kind of tradition and spiritual principles. Culture and spiritual principles. You have to separate them. Now, in Paul's day, they were important because just kind of the way the situation is, you'll see what it looks like as we go through. So don't get anxious as you go through this. And as I said, it's a difficult passage to teach, but it has great principles for us. Number one, first principle you want to write tonight, God is a God of order. To make sure that there was order and not disorder, God established right from the beginning principles of order, authority, and accountability. God himself was orderly. He had a pattern of how he created the earth. Certain things had it all planned out. Again, he's God. There is order in the universe. I'm near glad that the sun doesn't get a little closer sometimes and then get farther away. You live on the earth. You're very glad. So there's order in the universe. We're coming to an end of a year. There's order in the universe. There's order in the world of government. Sometimes. There's order in the home. Say it with me. Sometimes. There's order in the church. Most of the time. Okay? So who designed that? God did. And he did it out of authority. Two words that you hear all tonight. Authority and submission. There has to be order as we move through things. Now, let's look at verse 3. Now, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, I'm going to teach the way I believe head means, and here's kind of the way it goes. You can write this down. Head means headship, authority, and divine order. So Paul says, in life, doesn't matter the culture, in life, there are three relationships when we're talking about spiritual headship, that if we're going to do God's will, if we're going to 
maintain order, these three relationships must be followed to maintain order. Order makes God look good. We're able to accomplish lots of things. So here's the first one. Christ is the head or the authority of man. So as you look at that, as a man, I'm subject, as a woman tonight, you as well. Overall, I'm subject to God. I submit to his authority. That's very clear in the Bible. We might say God's the boss and we're his servants. Paul writes that all the way through his epistles. A bond servant. He's a servant. Christ is the head. Number two, man is the head or authority of woman. Now, ladies, just hold on. Don't get excited. You'll be fine. Some of you men are first time you've ever said amen in church, ever. And number three, God is the head or the authority of Christ. See, with that third one in there, all of a sudden we begin to think, oh, well, maybe head doesn't mean exactly what, yeah, exactly. You'll see that. So let's talk about the second one, and we'll devise this as we go through. God gave man the place of headship, and men, and this is basically, I believe, talking about marriage. God gave man the place of headship, and the woman is under his authority in marriage. I don't take it to a workplace and so forth like that. I've had a lot of women bosses when I was in, in the health field. I submit to their authority, absolutely. Now, third, look at God as head or authority of Christ. That sounds strange, since they're all equal. But remember, even in the Trinity, God placed the rule and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they willingly submitted to God the Father. Now, Jesus did this, and you need to write the definition of submission because we miss the definition. Sometimes we take submission as an action only. It is an action, but it's an attitude as well. So here's the definition. Submission is a loving attitude that wants to cooperate. It realizes the need for order. It wants to cooperate, an action and an attitude. So both of those are hugely responsible. In all of those relationships, we are to willingly submit to the head. The other option we have is to rebel and just kind of do our own thing, or even worse, become or try to become the head overthrow that. We see that all over the world in many foreign countries. As you look around, Ukraine and all kinds of things. Thailand is the one recently going to overthrow the government and overdo it. So submission brings order. Rebellion brings disorder. That's common sense to all of us. Now, this rebellion is exactly what happened when Satan was in heaven. He rebelled against God's authority. What happened with that? Disorder, chaos, confusion came. When there's disorder, there's going to be chaos and there's going to be confusion. And so all of that happened because Satan came to this world. And ever since then, our world has been in what? It's been in chaos. And eventually, he'll be put under the feet of Jesus. He's already defeated, but he's still on a long chain and he brings confusion. But one day that will end. Now, let me explain this to you. So when we go through this, we'll relieve everybody here. 
This headship authority is not about ability or worth or value or superiority or inferiority. It's about humility and authority and freedom. So write this down. Understand this. If I'm in a place of authority and I misunderstand that, then I'm going to bring disorder. I'm going to bring chaos. I'm going to bring confusion. Submission has nothing to do with being inferior. Has nothing to do with being superior. You submit to me. I'm superior. No, you're not. Now, as you look through that, can I prove that? Notice what we said. God is the head of Christ. Well, can I prove that? Yes. Interesting. Listen to these verses. Jesus said this, I and the Father are one. Okay, Pastor Mark, that doesn't work. John 4, 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. You see, God and Jesus were both God and equal, yet Jesus willingly, when he came to earth, he submitted to the will of his Father. Now, turn with me to Galatians, if you will. What Jesus showed expands to the whole world. And this is where we are so that you will understand There is no distinction. Jesus willingly submitted. He wasn't inferior to God when he submitted. He was equal to God. But he willingly submitted because that was his role as as fully God and fully man when he was here on the earth. Now, Galatians 3.28, take a look at this. And this has great application in our world. Now, when we get in a moment to hair and heads, it doesn't apply. But this does. Listen. There is neither Jew nor Greek, or you might say Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So everybody, doesn't matter your nationality, doesn't matter male, female, religion, education, none of this stuff. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Now, let me show you another passage, because Ladies, this brings it home to you. Let's take a look at First Peter. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner. Now, if you're here with your spouse, would you just turn to your spouse and say, you're an equal partner with me. Go ahead. With love. Okay, let me go back. She may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers may not be hindered. Now, I don't have time to get into that except to say this. Now, why would Peter add that there? Because if there's disunity in the home, God's not interested in answering your prayer. What's he interested in? Unity in the home. Disunity in a home makes God look bad. Now, we all have that a little bit, so that's why we have to get it settled, because it affects our prayers for our kids, for our children. Maybe you're here tonight fussing. You've been fussing for a few days. Get it solved. Submit yourself to God. Ask each other's forgiveness. And get back to it. Walking together as one. Amen? See, Satan's very wise. He's the one that brings chaos. Don't let that happen in your marriage. So there's no distinction tonight between men and women, personal worth, giftedness, intellect, spiritually, none of that. 
Nobody goes around and says, well, my IQ is this. Who cares? We're all one. Amen? All right. Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 11.4. Now we come to the hats and heads. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. And every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. So men, take your hats off. Ladies, find something, throw it over your head. <laughs> Notice the last statement Paul makes. Very cultural here. It is just as though her head were shaved. And I'll talk about that in a moment. If a woman does not cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. If it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut or shaved off, she should cover her head. Now, in this culture, what is Paul talking about? I'm going to go through this very quickly because it doesn't apply to us. But it's good for you to see how Paul worked through this. Historically, we know that women covering their heads was a universal custom in Jewish and Greco-Roman culture. Yet the nature of the covering differed. Veils, hats, all really don't know. But it was just kind of a normal thing they did. In this culture, shaving the head of a woman was considered an act of shame, and it was done to two groups of people. Female slaves and adulterous women would shave their heads. The prostitutes in the pagan temples would shave their heads. So when you saw somebody with a shaved head, you weren't thinking purely. You were thinking, okay, this is who they are. So for a woman not to cover her head with her own hair was as shameful as having a shaved head, a sign of public disgrace. Doesn't apply to us today. Did apply in that culture. In this culture, evidently some women, as they listen to Paul teach, are thinking, Paul said everything to me is permissible. Okay, go shave my head, take that off, put this on, don't whatever. Some of you are bald, you'd have trouble. You'd have to put a hat on, you'd have to do all kinds of things. Paul says... Wait a minute now. Let's see what's happening here. These women were thinking, well, I can be free. I don't care if it looks like rebellion. I'm free. But what was the verse we started with? Don't do something that may be okay and stumble someone else. Be careful. So Paul is talking about, in the verses we're going to talk about here, a local custom, not a divine principle. So you need to write this down. At least have it in the back of your head. As you're going through the scripture, you need to write this down. Lots of things in the Old Testament do not apply today because they're cultural. Circumcision and so forth was a very important thing in those days. But eventually that changed because it had a great principle back then, but it doesn't apply to us today. Same thing with a certain day to worship, same kind of a thing should always worship on the Sabbath. We have a wonderful people that believe it has to be on the Sabbath or you're basically against God. It's foolishness. Paul said, don't count a holiday. Don't count any day special. Every day is to the Lord. So understand with this principle. Learn to distinguish between cultural practice and spiritual principles. Today, Pastor Mark taught you about the importance of being encouraging, even if the overall message is one of correction. You learn that God's very interested in order and that He wants His people to act in an orderly fashion at all times. You found out that disorder and rebellion actually originated with Lucifer, who became Satan when he tried to take over heaven. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will be finishing his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You'll hear more about Paul's instruction regarding women's behavior during church services. Pastor Mark will show you the difference between a cultural taboo and a scriptural one. You'll learn what scriptures apply to our modern times and which ones relate more specifically to a cultural problem the Corinthians were having. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.